Satan wants us to take our minds off the Lord Jesus. And so this helmet protects us in our spiritual warfare. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we stand against the devil and stand um, against his wiles in the evil day. And so in that evil day, in that great, in great temptation and great trial, Satan comes attacking the mind. And so think about that fight where somebody has the, the, the sword or the club and they're just wailing on top of the man and uh, you know hitting on that man and so forth. The helmet protects. The helmet keeps the, uh, the mind safe. And so we are urged here then to put on and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. That's the answer to this. When the devil attacks the mind, and it doesn't have to be vile, wicked thoughts. That may be part of it. Just bad thoughts pop into your, your mind. It could be good thoughts, but we just think too much about the wrong thing. Um, so anything to take us away from Christ. And so the devil could present us with something in and of itself that's good. But we start thinking about that and our minds get consumed with that and our, our lives start to be consumed with something other than Christ. And those good things take away from our assurance and take away from our joy in Christ and take away from our peace in Christ. And so Satan attacks us and assaults us in this regard. So what's the answer to this? To put on the helmet of salvation. To protect the mind. So just like the bull rider wouldn't get in there and ride a bull without the helmet on to protect his brain, uh, you and I need to make sure that we have received that helmet of salvation and have it on tight. Um, because um, without it, we are we're liable to, to be um, overcome and drawn away from the truth that is in Christ. So he says to take it or to receive it. We take what has been given to us here. We come to Christ by faith. We receive Christ by grace uh, through faith. And that is the gift of God, um, if Paul tells us in Ephesians. And by God's grace, we have um, the fruit of that faith that he gives us, which is repentance, the fruit of the Spirit, justification, sanctification. So when we, when we come to Christ, when we have faith in Christ, we are, we are trusting in him, and he provides all that we need. He provides, um, through his grace, he provides eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. We are sanctified. We are justified all through Christ. And we have in this union with Christ all that we need. And so we look to him for salvation. We rest in him for salvation. And we rest in him and trust in him throughout the rest of our lives. So it's not that Paul preached the doctrines of grace for three chapters in Ephesians. or Yeah, three chapters. And then gets here at the end and says, okay, now you have to earn it. Now you have to keep it. Now you have to fight for your salvation. 
the same, he believes the same doctrines of grace at the beginning of Ephesians than he does at the end of Ephesians. And so this helmet of salvation is not something that you have to, to, to strap on your head and earn and strap on your head and fight to keep. But we are receiving what God has given us. We are justified not by our works, but by our faith. We have eternal life through Christ, by faith. Or through faith, by God's glorious grace. So this helmet of salvation protects the mind of the child of God. Because who is it that is to take the armor of God? Well, verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, my brethren, those who are in Christ, be strong in the Lord. Those who are saved, those who are in Christ, those who have union with Christ, those who have been adopted um, by God, those who have their sins forgiven, those who have everlasting life are called to be strong in the Lord and to put on the armor of God, which I believe is Christ. So Paul is talking to Christians here. Not to lost people, to tell them to to fight and to earn salvation, but he's talking to people who have been saved. And he's urging saved people to take the helmet of salvation, to stand against the wiles of the devil, the wiles and temptations, the wiles and taking our eyes off Christ. So if if a helmet in real life is to protect the brain, and you you can be damaged... In, in, the, in the mind and still live but, but uh, I think it's talking about our thoughts here and so the helmet of salvation I believe it protects the child of God through what we think about in our thoughts and through the, the attacks upon the mind so we continue in the faith and let, let's think about for a second how Satan attacks the mind in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So Satan attacks the lost people of the world. He blinds the minds that he draws away from those who are in Christ, he, or, or those who are not in Christ. He... he he presents to the, the lost of this world who don't know Christ anything and everything other than uh, Jesus to blind the light of the glory, to blind them of the light of the glorious gospel. So this is part and parcel of his strategy to, to draw people away and to blind them to the truth of the gospel. So this is no... Um, you know, this, is, this is one of his main uh, strategies, is to, uh, to draw the mind away from Jesus. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and verse number 1, it says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I, may not, that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations, so thoughts, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so part of the spiritual warfare is to pull down the, the strongholds of the mind uh, of, of this world, the, the imaginations, the evil thoughts of this world, to, to, that, that we may present the, the truth of, of Christ. So it is a battle of thoughts. It is a battle of, of teachings. So we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have the truth of salvation, and Satan has everything else that could possibly be thought of to draw away from Christ. Every other religion, every other pleasure, every other uh, temptation. And so we, we know his strategy here. But what we need to be wary of is that we not be distracted and drawn in to his strategies that he uses against those who are lost. In other words, that our minds won't be blinded to the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Or that strongholds and and imaginations that that are put up to to deceive, that, that our minds aren't corrupted by those things. Because we are we are warned over and over again that that these things can um, even happen uh, come upon us um, bad thinking I guess we could say I've got several passages here um, just to give you a, a few examples in Second Thessalonians two verses one and two we can be shaken and trouble in our mind Satan can shake and shake us and trouble us. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. So they were worried about the return of Christ, and they were shaken by events that were happening. And they were shaken by false doctrine that had been preached. And they were they were troubled in mind by, because of a lack of understanding what the Bible says about the return of Christ. And so here you have a group of saved people, a group of Christians who were shaken and troubled in mind. Not, and it was all as a result, is because they, they did not know the truth. And so, we can, a, a Christian be shaken and troubled um, because they don't know the truth. They don't know what the Bible says or they even forget what the Bible says. We can be shaken and troubled at providence. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange. Don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So when, when trials happen, we can be discouraged and say, well, if God loved me, I wouldn't be having this trial. 
or you know some terrible thing has happened unto uh, unto me so that must mean that God is displeased with me or that that I might not even be saved because all these trials and troubles are are taken over and and that kind of thing so Peter says, don't be troubled in mind. Don't think it's a some strange. He, he's trying to tell us that, that as a Christian, um, sufferings are part of, of, of our life. And so Satan can, can get us to think wrongly about our sufferings. And we can be shaken in, in that regard. Of course, the double-minded man James talks about unstable in all of his ways. Um, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, and verse, number, verse number 11, we, we find that the Lord God has given to his church gifts for a particular purpose. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, that, that's what we confess, the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So, the Lord gave the church gifts for, for equipping the saints. That's what, I think it, that's what I believe it means in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, to equip them, that you have everything that you need for the, for the Christian life, to work for the work of the ministry that we might have unity of the faith, the faith once delivered. Not a, a blind faith or not just some kind of random faith and random things, but the faith once delivered, the, the, the doctrine, unified in the faith and of the knowledge of Jesus. And to a perfect man and to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Why? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so, the devil can use false doctrine to do what? To toss us about, to and fro. To be carried about by every wind of doctrine. To be cheated by the slight of men. To be um, undone by cunning craftiness where men lie in wait to deceive you, to trick you, to lead you away from Jesus. The church is here, uh, that God uses the church to, to edify the saints. Not because, not because I have particularly wonderful uh, gifts, but it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just in the, the communion of the saints, in his body, with the word of God opened and, and the word of God preached, that God the Holy Spirit will equip us and edify us and build us up and then protect us, that we be not tossed about, to be not carried about, that we won't be deceived, that we won't be uh, brought away, but to grow up together um, in Christ uh, as a body. So, the devil wants to toss us about. The devil wants us to get our minds off of Christ and false doctrine. And so this is why we wear that helmet. 
the devil will deceive us that we have no assurance in our salvation. In 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse number 8. <clears throat> now, if you start in verse number 3, Peter tells us that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and He is through the knowledge of Him, in verse number 3. Through the knowledge of Christ. Right, so that's what we have first in verse number three, the knowledge of Christ. He has given us all things. Verse number one, even. To them that have obtained the like and precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he's talking to those who have been saved, those by the grace of God who have peace with God in verse number two, who have the faith and obtain that like precious faith in Jesus Christ. That he has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ. And then verse number four, the great and exceeding precious promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature. And then he says to add, um, add these virtues, but then we get down to verse number eight, and he says, for if these things be in you, these virtues that you find, faith and uh, knowledge, and temperance, and patience, godliness, charity, brother, brotherly kindness. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall not, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And so, what has happened here? God, by His grace, saves the child of God through faith and has given us all things that we need for life and godliness and has given us these great and exceeding precious promises and then has told us that we should pursue Him and, and add to that faith that he has given us, knowledge and patience and so forth. But what happens to the person who is lacking in these things? Well, he's blind and he cannot see you off and he's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. His mind has been taken off of Christ. His mind has been taken away from that precious faith. His mind has been diverted from those great and precious promises. His mind has been um, distracted from the, the, the things that pertain to life and godliness. And so he now lacks assurance because he looks about and he looks at his life and says, well, I'm barren and, and I'm unfruitful. And why does he lack assurance? Not because he lacks it's not really the works that is the reason he lacks assurance, but he's not doing any works because he's forgotten Christ. His mind is taken away from Christ. So what would, what would be the answer here? What would be the answer here? If, if the cause is that he cannot see afar off and it was forgotten, and that it would be to turn back to Christ, would it not? To go back to that 
to the, the Lord Jesus, to whom we've received the precious faith and who is the object of our faith, who is the righteousness of God, to whom we have grace and peace through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his own divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, who has given us exceeding and great precious promises, that has delivered us from the corruption that is in the world. Right, so it's not to go back to start thinking about ourselves. It's time to go back and start thinking about Christ again. To go back to, to the truth of the gospel. And you start doing that, then, then the Lord will, will work in, in his people. And that love of Christ will produce those, um, produce those fruits. So it, it started with the mind, didn't it? To attack the mind, to, to forget the truth. So we are to, to take that helmet of salvation and put, and put it on and, and strap it on tight. So what, what does that even mean to put on the helmet of salvation? Well, it doesn't mean, again, to, to save yourself. What does it mean? Well, it means that we put on that, that helmet and we remember and we think and we meditate on what God has done for us in Christ. It's not something that we are to do. It's something that we are to receive. And I think the more that we try to, to do something, the more that we try to, um, to, to do something in the flesh, then the more uh, our minds will be occupied with everything but Christ. I saw where um, one person had um, wrote a book about ways to be closer to God. And there was all these directions that you had to do in order to be closer to God and have assurance of your salvation and so forth. And I think there were 250 different things that you had to do um, that, that were, he said, that in order to have assurance and, and joy and, and happiness, you had to do all these 200 and some things. Well, where does, that, where does the Bible say for us to have assurance of salvation and to have hope and peace that there's a list of all these rules that you have to do in order to be assured in our salvation. Well, our assurance in our salvation is not in what we do, but it's in what Christ did. And so whenever evil thoughts attack us, well, what's the answer to that? When we start thinking vile and evil thoughts, where our thoughts are to turn to, to the Lord to, to ask for forgiveness. He is our advocate. When we come to Him and we, we ask for forgiveness, and we'll find it in Christ, and we know by faith that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And, and so we, we combat that doubt by coming back to Christ. And then if we're, we're tempted by false doctrine, well, what's the answer? Will we come back to the word of, of God in Christ and, and ask, is this taking us away from the simplicity that is in Christ? Paul was worried the Corinthians would be drawn away from the simplicity that was in Christ, just like Eve was drawn away and deceived um, from the simplicity of, of what God had revealed to them in the garden. And, and that God would draw us away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. And so the answer to this is the helmet of the salvation, the helmet of salvation is to rest and trust and, and 
and to come again and remind ourselves and to hear again the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. That we're not saved in faith plus our works, and we're not saved in Christ plus our baptism or Christ plus this or that. But we are saved by faith. Not by faith and works, but by faith. And we're saved by Christ and his work and not our work. And so putting, receiving that helmet is just, is just believing and trusting and holding on to those the truth of the gospel. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. And let's just note here what God has done for us. And as I read this, just, just note what God has done for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So the Father blesses us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. According as he has chosen us in him, him is Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. The Father has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. The Father has willed that, that we should one day stand before Him in love, holy and blameless. Right? So the Father has blessed us. The Father has willed for us to be before Him. Having predestinated us, so God predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. So we're adopted by Christ unto himself to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So he has made us accepted in Christ who is the beloved one. All those things is what what, uh, God did for us in Christ. He blessed us in Christ. He chose us in Christ. He wills for us to be holy in Christ to stand before him without blame in Christ. He predestinated us to the adoption of children in Christ according to his good pleasure, to the, to the glory of his grace, made us accepted in Christ. Now notice what we have at this very moment. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption. We're not fighting for redemption. We're not striving for redemption. We're not working for redemption. In whom we have, present tense, right now, have redemption through his blood. What else do we have? The forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Those are things that we have right now. So when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are redeemed through his blood. When you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of your sins. That that is a a reality. That is an objective reality. That if you have faith in Jesus Christ tonight, you are redeemed. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Yeah, but what if I sinned and I sinned so many times? Well, what does the Bible say? If If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You have that right now. Oh, but I've sinned so much. Why do you have it? By the, according to the riches of his grace. Not according to the riches of your goodness. Not according to the riches of your 
effort and your sweat and your toil, but by the riches of his grace. Through his blood. Verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He abounded, he, it was towards us. It's not that, that you, you repented hard and, and worked hard and, and worked your way to God. God came to us. We were not good enough to be saved. We, we are poor and wretched sinners. Having made known, in verse 9, unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. God purposed in himself according to his good pleasure. Not anything that we had done, but according to his good pleasure that he would reveal to us and make known to us by faith what he has given to us in Christ. When doubts come, when fears come, when temptation comes, remember what God has done for you in Christ and remember what you have right now in Christ. That's the helmet of salvation. And there's no, there is no blow of the devil that can, that can take that away from you. There, there is nothing that the devil can bring to you that can take away your peace if you're trusting in, in Christ. See, this is all about what God has done for us, the helmet of salvation. Now, notice what we have as far as assurance for the future in verse 13. So, in whom ye also trusted, speaking of Christ, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye have believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Yeah, but that's, that's then, but, but what if I fail? I, I've sinned so much, and, and now, um, now I don't know if the Lord still loves me. Okay, who are you doubting? When you doubt, who are you doubting? So me, I doubt myself. I doubt that I repented enough and believed enough or have faith enough. No, you're doubting the Word of God, and you're doubting the promises of God, and you're doubting Jesus. You're, doubt, you're doubting whether or not Jesus is true to His Word. You're doubting whether or not His grace is sufficient, if Christ is sufficient. Because if you trust Him, after you've heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you have believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When you have faith in Christ, you are sealed by the spirit of promise. Not the spirit of works, but the spirit of promise, which is the earnest of your inheritance. The very first foretaste of all the eternal happiness that you'll have in Christ, you are sealed by that Holy Spirit. Until you receive that inheritance in full to the praise of his glory. The glory and honor of the Lord Jesus, the glory and the honor of the Father is at stake. Um, and if you are not finally and fully saved to have trusted in Him, then He has failed. And so the, these verses here remind us that, that you are chosen by the Father, you are redeemed by the blood of Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
You are trusting in what God has done for you, not what you do for yourself. This whole introduction here is reminding us of the gospel, what God has done in us and for us. Now, let's continue on here. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your faith in the Lord Jesus, And love to all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance of the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but the world is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over the things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, from verse 18 all the way to verse 23, is things that Paul is praying for the saints to know. That he ceases not, in verse 16, to pray for them. Verse 17, that, this is what I pray for, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That your eyes may of understanding be enlightened and you may know the hope of his calling. That you may know Christ, that you may know the hope of his calling that you know the the greatness of his power to you, that you may know the resurrection power of of Christ. You may know, and this carries on to chapter number two, where where we learn that he is, we were dead in trespasses and sins, and by grace are we saved, and we are are saved by his work, and he he gave us life, he quickened us through the Spirit. It's it's by faith and not of ourselves and not of works. This is a prayer for, for the saints of God to know these things and to be strengthened in these things. So it's, it's no coincidence that we get to the end of the book of Ephesians and Paul says, now put on that helmet of salvation. When you were attacked in mind, when you were attacked by false doctrine, when you're being pulled astray by the busyness of life and, and the frustrations of, of life in this sinful world, put on that helmet of salvation. Remember what God has done for you. Remember who you are in Christ. Don't walk anymore as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, Paul says in chapter 4 and verse 17. Because they have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance of them. But ye have not so learned Christ, he says in verse 20. If so, be that you have heard him and have been taught of him as the truth is in Jesus. You have not so learned Christ. Put on that helmet of salvation and look to Christ. One last one in Ephesians 5, in verse number 10. We're called to walk as children in the light and all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving, verse 10, what is it acceptable unto the Lord. And having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather 
Reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever is done doth make manifest is light. So, I was in the wrong, wrong one. I'm sorry. Verse number 27 is what I wanted. Sorry about that. Chapter 5, verse 27. That he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So, this is our future. That is the goal. So remember in chapter 1 where he said that we would be holy and without blame? And here in the end, again, he he says that he might present to himself a glorious church that should be holy and without blemish. That is is the desire of the Lord to present present us before him um, in, in glory, holy and without blame. And so he will sanctify us. He will purify us. He will make us like him. And so whenever we're being attacked or we're being tempted and we just look at the body of this flesh and, and are frustrated with, with sin and our sinfulness, we can go to verses like this and, and see what God has promised us and what God will give us and what we will be. And we can, we can pray and, 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 and ask the Lord to help us and give us grace and to, to give us repentance and faith and, and to give us a, a heart um, to love him. That's the helmet of salvation. To look to Christ, to what he has done for us. So when we doubt, go to, the, go to Christ. When we're tempted to go back under the law, go to Christ. When we're convicted of sin, ask for forgiveness and trust in Christ. When we're without joy, when we're depressed in spirit, put on that helmet of salvation. Uh, Jimmy Bueller wrote, he said, Weary pilgrim, rest in the gracious gospel of Christ. Know that you, dead in sins and unable to keep any of God's law, have been saved by the perfect person and work of Jesus Christ. Your forgiveness is not contingent upon the quality of your holiness, the sincerity of your repentance, the strength of your faith. Your forgiveness and insurance are freely given to you in the promises of Jesus Christ, the object of your faith. This is the gospel. This is the good news. The God you have offended with your sin has forgiven you. The righteousness he requires of you, he's provided for you. Think of it like this. What God demanded of you in his law, he provided for you in the gospel. Believe and trust that by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone, you are forgiven. I think that is the helmet of salvation. Put that on and trust in what Christ has done for you.